power move is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Yura Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hi, I'm Alice Montfries and welcome to Power Move, a future women podcast in partnership with Vanguard, who are making low-cost investing easy and achievable for all Australians. In this series, you'll find out everything you need to know to take that first step in investing. This is the third and final episode in our series, so if you haven't listened to episodes one and two yet, I highly recommend you do. You'll learn why investing is so important for women, get a good understanding of investment basics, and hear from the inspirational Molly Benjamin, who went from being not very good with money, that's her own words, to a confident investor. And she has an incredible amount of wisdom to share with you. So go on, press pause now so you can go back and listen. I'm joined today by Rachel White. Rachel is a qualified chartered financial analyst, and when she's not busy researching and developing new products for Vanguard, she's dedicated to empowering women to begin investing. I'm so excited to speak with her today and bust some common myths about investing. Rachel, welcome to Power Move. Are you ready to set the record straight on a few pervasive beliefs when it comes to women and investing? I most definitely am. Thank you so much for having me today, Alice. All right. Well, let's get straight into it. I think a good place to start is with something that I've certainly heard and maybe always been led to believe, and that is that men are better at investing. True or false, Rachel? Well, as much as I'm sure they'd probably like to think that they're better, Alice, (laughs) it's actually not true. So recent uh, research published by Warwick Business School, who surveyed around 2,800 investors, both male and female, and this study tracked the investment performance of this group over a three-year period. And what they found was that on average, women actually outperform their male counterparts by 1.8%. Well, there you go. There you go. So why is this? What gives women the upper hand there? Well, what the study actually found was that male investors tend to indulge in a riskier style of investing. So they seek out speculative type investment stocks. What that means is they're trying to pick stocks that go up a large amount in a really short time frame. But when you're picking stocks that have a really high potential for strong returns, it also comes with a a higher level of risk. And that's the risk that the share price could go down or the risk that the company could actually go bankrupt. Whereas when we look at women, on the other hand, they're investing more to support their financial goals. They're thinking about the long term and they're taking a measured, disciplined approach rather than chasing that short-term thrill for a big payoff. Of course they are. That's what we women do. (laughs) Well, why do you think this misconception about men being better investors exists? Well, it's interesting and really quite disappointing, actually. But, you know, I think there's a range of factors and a range of myths that hopefully we can bust a few today. But one of the key ones is really comes down to confidence. So a recent study found that 56% of women feel that they actually have a lack of knowledge on how to get started with investing. And that Mm. same study showed that 63% of women thought that they didn't have enough money to get started. Mm. And that's actually held them back from investing. That's really interesting. I think 
confidence certainly is a huge one. You know, if women don't believe that they've got the knowledge or, as you said, enough money to invest, you can see why they're so much less represented. So how much do you think people believe that they actually need to have to invest in the stock market? Well, this comes to one of the first common myths when it comes to investing, that you actually need a big stockpile of money to get started or to make it worthwhile. And this misconception is particularly common with younger Australians. So one study recently found that amongst the age group of 18 to 34-year-olds, they felt they needed at least $5,000 to get started. And they don't? How much do they need? They absolutely don't. You really don't need to have a huge amount of money set aside to make investing worthwhile or to get started. In fact, one of the key recipes to success is starting early and investing regular amounts. And that can be a really sensible strategy if you're trying to grow your wealth over the long term. And if you wait and sit out of the market while you're trying to build up this big pool of money, like you might do if you're saving for a deposit for a home loan, Mm. well, you've actually missed out on being invested for that entire time period. And we would have learnt about compounding in the first session Mm. um, with Shannon that over time, even though it might feel like a short period of time now... In 30, 40 years, when you're thinking about your retirement, that could be a really meaningful amount of money. Mm. And even if it's a smaller amount, it's better having some rather than none throughout that time. Absolutely. And when we talk about minimum investment sizes, it will depend on the particular product that you're going to buy, the particular investment platform that you go with. Different accounts have different minimums. But the Vanguard Personal Investor platform, for example, you can invest in majority of products for as little as $500. $500. That's a lot less than I imagined that you would need. And it's certainly really achievable for a lot of people. What about time? Do I need much of that? I know for me, I just imagine that investing can be really time consuming, you know, having to like set it all up, do all the research, the monitoring of everything. And I know personally, I've just always sort of written it off as something that I just don't have enough time for. And I know that the majority of our listeners are really time poor too. It's completely understandable and it can be really daunting thinking about all the different facets and aspects. But Really, there's a range of different investment options that are going to require a different level of time and commitment. So it's really up to you in terms of how much time and effort you want to spend and how much of the investment decisions that you actually want to outsource to someone who has specialist skill, specialist experience in investing. And that can take a lot of that effort that you might perceive that you need to do and actually outsource that to an investment professional. So it's sort of typical with most Uh, decisions you're going to make in life. You know, the more information that you have, the more comfortable you're going to be able to make decisions. Whereas the less information that you have on something, the more you're going to want to outsource that decision to a specialist manager Mm. or a specialist professional. So if you are someone that wants to outsource a lot of the decision making, really the large time commitment is going to be upfront. So setting Mm. out your plan, setting out your financial goals. And then from there, once you set up your account, you pick your products, you should really be able to set and forget your investing strategy. And it could take pretty minimal upkeep on an ongoing basis. Right. So once it's there, you're really not having to invest that time that regularly. That's exactly right. Well, that's good to hear. This is something you can do, even if you are someone who considers themselves to be really time poor, but it's an area that you want to get into and know more about, but you've just kind of always written it off because it just seems in that too hard basket, don't have the time to invest. I guess the next question is, where do you start and and what do you invest in? 
Well, this can be a really daunting step when you're getting started, deciding what type of investment option you're going to buy into. So there's three key offerings in the market and that we offer on our personal investor platform, and that's individual shares, managed funds and exchange traded funds. So I might give you a little bit more context on each yeah, of those. Yeah, explain those to us. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the first one, when you invest in individual shares, what you're doing is you're basically purchasing a unit of ownership in a company. So investing in individual shares can be quite time consuming. Mm. We spoke before about being time poor. Well, this is one that if you are time poor, you might want to think about if this is the right option mm-hmm. for you. The other challenge with investing in individual shares, it can be pretty costly to achieve diversification. So in episode one, Shannon touched on the concept of diversification and mm-hmm. how important that is mm. to reduce your risk. So if you're going out and buying shares from one company, you're going to be taking on a huge amount of risk because there's so many different factors that could impact that share price or the success of that company. Mm. So if you're going to want to diversify away that risk, what you do is you go out and buy 20, 100, 200, 300 companies. But to do that is going to be extremely costly, (laughs) extremely time consuming because you're going to have to go out and buy those shares on every individual transaction. There'll be a brokerage fee every time you want to make a trade. And then the other aspect is the time and knowledge that's required to actually go and pick stocks. And even for extremely well-trained people who do this for a full-time job, it's very, very, very hard to pick stocks that are going to outperform. Mm. Uh, And even the most famous and successful stock picker in the world, Warren Buffett, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) said that most people should not go out and buy stocks. Instead, they should buy a cross-section of the market and forget about it. Okay. So if you are someone that loves financial statements, you love analysing data, you've got lots of time, maybe (laughs) it's for you. But luckily for the rest of us that don't have that amount of time, there's some easier investment products. Okay, fantastic, because that is me over here with my hand up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So these are called managed funds and exchange-traded funds. And the great things about this is they provide you with that instant diversification and all the professional management is taken care of. So managed funds, they're professionally managed and they pull together money from all different investors. And then the fund manager who you buy the fund off will do all the buying and the selling of the assets or the shares that sit underneath that fund. Then you have exchange traded funds and you might have heard ETF, which is the acronym for exchange traded funds. And they're very similar to a managed fund. So they also pull together money from many different types of investors. And then the fund manager will be the one that goes out and buys all the shares and builds the underlying portfolio. Mm -hmm. But the difference with ETFs is they're actually traded on a stock exchange. So in Australia, that's the Australian Securities Exchange or the ASX. Mm -hmm. And then you can go and buy your ETF units through a stockbroker the same way that you would go and buy individual shares. Without losing everyone, because we're introducing (laughs) a few concepts here, but I thought it'd be really worthwhile just introducing the concept of indexing or index funds at this point. Mm -hmm. It might be something people have heard of, particularly in relation to ETFs. So, No, that's good. You know, this is the jargon that we've often heard a lot about, don't quite understand, and this is maybe why we might not have confidence in the area. So it's good to break these terms down. And there's only, you know, we'll go through it, there's four or five terms that once you get the gist of them, you're extremely well set up to get started. So it feels overwhelming, but 
a couple of these key terms, if you can get your head around them, you're in a really good place to get started. Fabulous. Okay. So index funds are basically just a type of managed fund or ETF. And what they try to do is they actually just try to closely match the performance of a specific market. So they're a really good tool for investors that want to get broad access to the share market, for example. So if you invested in an Australian shares index fund or ETF, what that product would do is it would go away and buy a very small part of every company in the Australian share market. Okay. So that means you get coverage of the entire market without having to go and make sort of 300 individual individual purchases. Yeah, okay. You just have to go and make one transaction. So majority of ETFs are index-based, so they use an index approach. And that's one of the key reasons that ETFs have become so popular. Conversely, most managed funds actually use what's called an active investment style. So that's when the underlying fund manager will go out and try and select individual stocks that they think will outperform the market. Okay. And while that might sound great, you know, getting outperformance of the market, history's actually shown that active managers have found it very, very, very difficult to outperform the market. And one of the reasons is because they actually typically cost quite a lot more to invest in. Okay. And when we know when it comes to investing, costs are critical because they directly reduce our return. So we've Mm. got to control costs when we think about investing. The other complexity when we think about active management is similar to picking the right share or the right stock, you've actually got to go out and pick the right active manager who you think is going to outperform. So that requires a level of due diligence, time, effort. So indexing is actually a really great place for beginners, for Mm. those who want to keep it simple, they want to save time and they want to keep their costs low. So if you're one of those ones who are time poor, indexing is a fantastic place to start. And Vanguard really specialises in indexing and we've got a heap of information and educational tools on our mm. website. So if you do want to learn more, you can pop on there and we'll go through the basics in terms of index-based ETFs and index-managed funds. Okay. Well, I mean, that's game-changing, understanding that, that you can buy products like that essentially, I guess, off the shelf that outsource all that hard work for you. And I guess it takes a lot of that fear or a lack of confidence or knowledge completely out of the equation because you're sort of giving that role or outsourcing that role to someone else. I'm just going to go back over a couple of things because many of these concepts are going to be quite new to those of us listening. My hand is once again up over here. So you mentioned exchange traded funds and managed funds. Can you tell us just a little bit more about these and I guess the differences or the similarities between the two options? Sure thing. And these are really important concepts. I think it's good to sort of go over them. But Basically, exchange-traded funds and managed funds have a lot of similarities. So as I said earlier, they pull money together from many investors and they will go out and get a professional fund manager to do all the buying and the selling of the underlying assets. And that might be shares, it might be bonds, depending on what ETF or managed fund that you buy. So you as an investor, you get that instant diversification, you get professional management, and you've outsourced those investment decisions to someone who has lots of skill and experience in doing that. And for that professional management, they'll charge what's called a management expense ratio, and that's often referred to as an MER. 
managed funds and ETFs that follow that index-based approach that I spoke about earlier Mm -hmm. around getting access to just the broad market, Mm -hmm. they typically cost less. So they'll typically have a lower MER because they're just focused on replicating an index rather than going out and trying to find all those individual companies that Mm -hmm. they think are going to outperform. The key difference between index funds and ETFs is that ETFs are listed on the stock exchange. So in Australia, the Australian Securities Exchange, the ASX, and you can go and buy them just like you'd buy other individual shares. And each ETF will have what's called an ASX ticker code. So an example might be the Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF. It has a ticker code of VAS. So that's where we see the three little letters. And, you know, you go through and they have the highs and lows of the exchange and they've got those little letters. That's what you're referring to there. Exactly. And it's just a shorthand way to make it easier for people to trade. And once you get familiar, if you end up having two or three ETFs in your portfolio, rather than having to remember or type in the Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF, which can be a bit of a mouthful, you just remember VAS. And it's a really simple way to trade. But every stock or ETF on the ASX will have that three-letter ticker code. Okay. Or three or four-letter ticker code. One other difference I'll just highlight with managed funds and ETFs is just the minimum investment amount. So we spoke about this earlier. Mm. The minimum investment for ETFs is typically only $500. But when you do buy and trade, typically you'll incur what's called a brokerage fee. And that's just a small fee to actually transact in the ETF. Okay. But when we think about managed funds, because they're not listed on an exchange, you don't incur a brokerage fee when you're buying or or selling. But typically the minimum investment amount is higher. So it starts typically around $1,000 to about $5,000 depending on the provider. So we're talking about a lot more, a lot more money, a lot more investment initially. A lot more investment initially. But one other great thing about managed funds is once you do invest that say it's $5,000 to get started, on an ongoing basis, there's no minimum. So if you're someone Mm. that wants to invest a little bit of your savings every fortnight that you get paid, you can invest in that managed fund a really small amount going forward, which is great for like a regular savings plan. Whereas with an ETF, it'll be that $500 amount every time. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I have to say personally, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable now that I know that I don't need a huge amount of time or money to invest. And I've also got a much clearer idea about these different investment options that are available. So thank you, Rachel. This has been great. Let's carry on with some more myth busting after we have a quick word from our partner Vanguard. Vanguard want to help Australians invest with confidence. With over 30 million investors worldwide, their philosophy is simple. Through high quality, low cost products, they allow investors to keep more of their returns. With the launch of Vanguard Personal Investor, you can now access a wide range of award-winning products that give you the best chance of investment success. Getting started is easier than you think with Australian ETFs from $500 brokerage free. To learn more, visit vanguard.com.au forward slash personal or search Vanguard Personal Investor. Future Women is dedicated to helping women connect, learn and lead. There's a price point to suit all budgets or to talk to your company about corporate training membership to advance your professional development. Head to futurewomen.com.
Welcome back to Power Move, where my guest today is Vanguard's Senior Product Strategy Manager and Mythbuster, Rachel White. Now, Rachel, in the episode so far, you've uncovered why some long-held beliefs about investing simply aren't true. Turns out women are actually better at investing than men uh, and that we don't need a lot of time or money to start investing. So hit me with another myth. All right. Well, another myth that I come across a lot is that you need a finance degree to know what you're doing, to understand the jargon (laughs) and to get into the share market. Well, after working in finance for over a decade, I'm definitely the first to admit there's lots of jargon out there. But to be honest, you actually only need to know a fraction of it to be a successful investor. Now, if you were talking about going out and picking stocks, then yes, maybe a finance degree would be a prerequisite. But being a sensible and successful investor is actually quite a different story. So maybe just to help with some of the jargon. Yes, okay. <laughs> a really common one that I get is oh, stocks, shares, equities. Yeah, yeah. Like what are all these different things? Well, guess what? They're all the same thing. So don't let these terms confuse you. And we know a share is a unit of ownership in a company that trades on an exchange. So now that you know what that means, Mm -hmm. you've got shares, stocks, equities in your back pocket. All the same thing. All the same thing. Got it. (laughs) And another great one, very similar, bonds, fixed interest, fixed income, all the same thing. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's someone trying to trick everyone and make it seem harder than it is. Um, But once you become familiar with these terms, you actually realise there's no reason to be intimidated. And I truly believe that if you know the basics and stick to four key principles of successful investing that were covered in episode one, that you too can be a successful investor. You're right. It's really easy to get bogged down in what you don't know rather than focusing on the things that you do know, isn't it? And I think the jargon and the lingo certainly add to that feeling of just being maybe a little bit out of your depth or that you sort of don't know enough to even start or to sort of navigate through this whole world. So we've learned so much about investing through this series and why it's so important to invest, particularly for women. So now I know that I only need well, $500 to start and that investing is not nearly as time consuming and risky as I thought. So I'm keen to take that first step. So in episode one, I spoke with Shannon and she recommended the first thing we do is pay off high interest debts like credit cards and then build a three to six month emergency fund. So Rachel, once that's done, how do we actually start investing? Well, getting started is pretty simple. So once you've done those two steps and you've built out a plan, so you've set out what your financial goals are and what you're trying to achieve, actually getting started is pretty simple process. So first off, you're going to want to choose your brokerage account or your investment platform. And then you just need to go out and open that account. Once you've done that, you'll be able to link your bank account And that's really similar to a process, you know, if you've set up a PayPal account and you've had to link in your bank account or Mm -hmm. a credit card, very similar. The fourth is deciding what product. So when we say product, we mean, you know, managed fund, ETF or individual share, which one you're going to invest in, and then you're away. So it's a pretty simple five-step process. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, trading on the share market happened on the trading floor, Mm. so in a physical location. And you would have seen this on TV or movies. You've got the stockbrokers taking phone calls. Like yelling, screaming, running. They've got those pieces of paper (laughs) they're waving around. 
Well, to be honest, it's not no longer like that anymore. <laughs> so with the help of technology, now buyers and sellers connect on the internet and brokerage and trading typically happens online through an online brokerage or trading account. So that means trades can virtually happen anywhere and you can do it from your living room while um, <laughs> you're at home. So the brokerage or trading account is just essentially the platform that you're going to use to get access to the share market to buy and sell investments. Okay. But there are a number of companies out there who offer these accounts and Vanguard Personal Investor is one of them. So there's a number of different platforms that you might want to explore. You know, some common ones are Comsec, mm-hmm. NabTrade, SelfWealth, Raise, Spaceship. So there's lots of options for people to shop around when they're trying to pick a platform or a brokerage account. And really what you want to do is you're going to want to select one that's right for you, that meets your investment goals and your criteria. And pleasingly, a lot of the providers will actually let you open an account for free. So you can open an account, have a look around, like check out the features of the platform, familiarise yourself with, you know, how you might use it and the different products that they have. And then once you feel comfortable and ready, that's when you can actually go in and load some money into it. Put your money in, got it. Okay. So you mentioned shopping around is really important when selecting a platform or the brokerage account. So how do I decide which one's right for me? Like what are the key things I should be looking for? A couple of the the key things that I would definitely take into consideration and think through and compare across the providers is the first would be fees. So we spoke Mm -hmm. earlier about management expense ratio, MER. So each product on a platform will have an MER. So it's worth looking around and and assessing what that is because different providers will have different MERs. Brokerage fees, which is something we spoke about earlier, the cost to buy or sell ETFs or individual shares. So Mm -hmm. if you're someone that thinks you're going to trade a lot, then those fees are going to really matter to you. So Mm -hmm. they range quite significantly across the different groups. Account fees is another one. So that might be a fee for having an account open with a provider or having money invested through an account. The second one would be really understanding what products they have available on the platform. So a lot of the brokerage or trading accounts will only offer ASX listed shares and exchange traded funds. Mm -hmm. If you're someone that wants to get invested in managed funds, you might want to find a platform that actually offers managed funds as well. Um, So have a look around and see what products they have and make sure they match the products that you're wanting to invest in third one we've touched on a few times is minimum investment amounts. Mm. So these do vary for managed funds. They might start around $1,000 to $5,000, but could be even higher than that on certain platforms, whereas ETFs are typically around $500. The fourth one is reviews and reputation. So like with anything, you're going to want to see what externally, different people think of the provider. Do they have good reviews? What are people talking about? You know, there's some great groups on social media that you can go and do some investigation before you get started. Mm. Well, even Molly, her social media accounts have some great tips or places to start or, you know, advice and reviews as well. Absolutely. Ladies Finance Club has got heaps of fantastic information and reviews that can help you get started. And then finally, I think as well, just thinking about platform features. So does the platform offer a mobile app if you're someone who loves to be doing things on your mobile, Mm. you're comfortable doing your banking on your mobile, that might be a really important feature for you. You What kind of education and tools do they have, particularly if you're a beginner? 
you might want to have some access to different types of education and tools that are going to help you get started and help you to increase your knowledge as you build out your portfolio. Mm-hmm. They're all really, really important things to consider and compare against one another and make sure that you're sort of heading in the right direction. This has been very, very informative, Rachel. Thank you. Before we wrap up, have you got any final thoughts or tips to leave us with? The key thing I want to leave people with to take away is that investing really isn't as complicated and as scary as it may seem. So I hope that I've armed you with enough information and knowledge to empower you and to overcome that confidence hurdle that really prevents many of us from getting started. Mm. So it really doesn't matter how much or how little your lifestyle allows you to allocate towards investing. The power is all about getting started early and the time that you actually spend in the market because that's Mm. where you get to harness that power of compounding. Compounding. Well, look, Rachel, you've certainly uh, motivated me (laughs) to get my own finances in order and start investing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Alice. Well, that was the final episode of Power Move. Thanks for listening. I hope you've learned as much as I have about investing and why it's so important, particularly for women. If you'd like to know more about how you can start investing today from as little as $500, visit vanguard.com.au slash personal or search Vanguard Personal Investor. Power Move is a future women podcast made in partnership with Vanguard. It's produced by Fancy Films. If you've enjoyed this series, we'd love it if you could share it with a friend that needs some motivation to get their finances in order. And please take a moment to rate and review it because that really helps people find us. This podcast contains factual information only and is correct as at 24th of September 2020. Vanguard Investments Australia Limited, ABN 72072-881-086, AFS Licence. 227263. We have not taken anybody's circumstances into account when preparing this podcast, so it may not be applicable to you. You should consider your circumstances and our IDPS guide and product disclosure statements, PDSs, before making any investment decision. You can access our IDPS guide and PDSs at vanguard.com.au or by calling 1300 655 101. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. This podcast was prepared in good faith and we accept no liability for any errors or omissions within.